if you have a Bible, I'd ask you to go ahead and grab that and turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's where, that's where we're going to be in our time. And, and what we did since the, really the beginning of the summer is we opened up a series called 12 Habits for Holiness, where what we're doing is simply walking through some spiritual disciplines that we hope to not just be uh, kind of um, found in our lives, but they would become habits that lead towards our holiness. And the way that they do that is that we believe when they take root in our lives and, and they work themselves into a rhythm in our lives, they help us to see Jesus more and become more like him. And as we become like Christ, what happens is our lives begin to look like Christ and the world begins to see Jesus in us and, and, and it creates a holiness in us that's magnetic to, to a lost and, and, and dying world. And so, uh, and so that's our aim, man. We want, we want each week to talk about a habit or a discipline that we hope to see become a habit that will not only serve us in this life, but give us a taste of the one to come. All right? So you're tracking. So, uh, so if you're, uh, you've been around here, we've talked about prayer and Bible reading, and we've talked about worship, and if all if you're in uh, in the room and you've been crushing all of those, right, you're probably feeling great about yourself by week three of this thing. Then today we're going to add to that, and we're going to talk about fasting, right? And so uh, if you're like me, you're like, awesome. This is a uh, this is great timing on Father's Day, where we should be treating our dads to steak and uh, the burger of their choice. RC allowed me to to preach on fasting, so uh, so I see why he didn't want this week. No, I'm just playing. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for any opportunity, but, uh, but you know, the timing might be tough, but I believe that this message is one that we need to hear because uh, as I was thinking about fasting, fasting is like the Sasquatch of the spiritual disciplines. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, you know, we, we hear about it we, hear it, we hear talk about it, we see it in our Bibles, the instances of fasting, but if we look at our lives, it's nowhere to be found. Right, like so, just like Sasquatch, it is MIA. All right, and so what what I want to do this morning is not only to talk about something that is scarcely practiced, but even something honestly that's pretty pretty scarcely preached. All right, and so I want to talk about this because I believe that there is a fuzziness present in in, in our ideas of of fasting, and I believe it is that fuzziness that leads to its inactivity. It's it's uh, it's missing in action, really, status in, in our lives. You know, I think a lot of us uh, fail, fail to, to practice fasting because uh, we believe it's for uh, an elite few, right? Like fasting is uh, for the monk in the monastery in some removed place in the earth, right? Like fasting is for this, it, once you get to some level, then you begin fasting. It's, it's for the elitist or some like pharisaical kind of like hierarchy. It's for those people. Right, but it's not for the common and the weak, and for all of us. Right, but I want you to, to get this. You may have you may have not known this, um, and, and I think it, I think it was pretty compelling as I read this week. Did you know that fasting is actually talked about more in Scripture than baptism? Right, from the Old Testament through the New Testament. So you crack Genesis and then you close Revelation. From, from the whole canon of Scripture, over 77 instances in Scripture of fasting described, fasting detailed in the lives of those who did it, uh, practiced it. We see it 77 times, fasting showing up uh, in the Bible from, from the, the beginning to the end, more than, than baptism. Right? So way more than baptism, the Bible talks about this act of fasting. So here's just the reality. Fasting for most of church history was normal. Even expected. But I think if we're all honest in our lives, it, it's really strange, right? Like we have this weird kind of relationship with fasting, and I believe it's weird because we don't really know what it is. 
Right? We think we have an idea about it. We don't really know what to do with it, how often we should do it. Is it just corporate or is it also private? And what does that look like? Right? So that's, that's simply the goal today. Right? We're going to take some of the fuzziness out of fasting so that we might uh, better understand it if we ever hope to get to a place where it becomes a habit implanted in our lives that serves us to look more like Christ. And so in full transparency, you need to know this, right? Uh, and I want to make sure to kind of knock down this wall because I think there can be times where teaching can sound top down. Where What I mean by that is where it's like they've got it together and we don't and they're trying to bring us up. But that's not the case with this, okay? That's not the case any week. All right, you, if you believe that, we've done a great job of fooling you. That's not the case, okay? Uh, they have not mastered this. And this needs to be, this is something that needs to frequent my life more than it does, right? And so I just wanted to, I wanted to say that uh, transparently before you because this has all already went nine innings with me, right? So I've been working on this for weeks now, okay? Knowing that this, this day was going to come to stand here. Uh, and so this has worked on me. And any point that I make, I, we're in this together. Is that, is that fair? So I want to make sure you got that before we dive in. But with that being said, let's look at the passage, Matthew chapter 6, 16 through 18. It says this. It says, and when you fast, this is Jesus speaking in the middle of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, when you fast, do not look, like the, uh, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And then get this. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You know, last weekend, uh, my wife and I got a chance to go um, to a place called Elkmont. Now, Every year we have an uh, opportunity to go. We don't always go, but we try to go when we can. There's two places on earth, really, w- that they know of. I'm sure there's more, but today there's two places where you see this kind of activity happen, where uh, fireflies, I mean, maybe you've seen them in your backyard, uh, fireflies sink up, all right? And I'm not talking about like two or three. I'm talking about millions. And, and it's, you may, some of you are like, why would you want to go around a million bucks, right? But uh, here's the thing. Millions of fireflies come out at night, and they just, they sink up, and it's like the strobing effect. And even they even do like this wave thing. It's amazing. So you're in the middle of like, I mean, like you're off the grid, okay, in the middle of nowhere, and you experience this. It's really, really awesome. But the point is that when you go there, like, there's this point at which when you get out of Gatlinburg, you're kind of weaving back through, like, mountain, like, all these mountains for miles. You get to the campground. Some of you have maybe been there. Uh, you know that there, there, there is, like, you're you're dark, okay, out there. Like, there's no, there's no Wi-Fi. There's no cell signal. There's no, like, if you didn't bring a generator, there's no electricity. And so for, for me, uh, I'm just going to be real with you. Like, there's a little bit of tension in me, okay, uh, of, of just this experience of being without the notification and the buzz and just the, 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 the ability to do the mindless scroll on Twitter or knowing the sports updates. Like, that to me was like, okay, wh- wh- what happens if there's like some sort of a zombie apocalypse and I don't know about it, right? Like, I want to be tethered to the rest of the world. And so that for, for me to go like off the grid is like, it creates in me a little bit of an angst. And I think some of you maybe are the same way. You probably woke up this morning, like, where's my phone? Right? Because you got to know if someone has replied or someone's responded or someone's liked or someone's noticed. Right? Well, there's this point at which you become one with nature, right, in Elkmont, okay? You, you, you roll up and, and, and you're, once your phone dies, 
like the hours just kind of bleed together and you forget what time it is, right? And then, and then you forget what day it is. And, and so it's, it, it's kind of this like scary thing at first. But then here's what I've realized. As that kind of weekend progressed, man, I stopped reaching for the phone. I stopped caring what time it was. I'm actually having conversations with people. It's amazing. You ought to try it. And, uh, and, and here's what I found. There was actually far more to be gained than I ever lost. Like there was something far greater to, to be experienced than, than I ever left at home or left back in, in the land of cell si- signal, right? But this experience, listen to me, this is not isolated to Elkmont. This is not just for the campground or some kind of off-the-grid uh, location. This, the scripture argues, is true of even fasting and really any spiritual discipline for that matter. But for our context today, specifically fasting, right? I think many of us, just the, the same way I kind of viewed this idea, this concept of like, man, going like without knowing what's happening or what am I going to like leave at home? What am I going to have to go without? That, I think that kind of idea kind of occupies a lot of our mind. It paralyzes us from ever experiencing the, the gift at the back end of fasting. And, and so this morning, what, what I, what I want to do, and the reason I think that that's true is, is because we have a we have a false understanding of what fasting is or no, no understanding altogether. And so I want to help inform that, right? Because I believe if we start seeing fasting, this habit, through a biblical lens, that we really what Matthew 6 kind of spoke to, and I want to show you some points in here. I think when we begin seeing it through a biblical lens, not only, not only will we begin practicing it, but it will become a habit in our lives and we'll stop detouring around this discipline, Right? We'll actually start participating in it. It won't just be something we do like once every four years at a sacred gathering, but it'll be something that you see as good and right and a gift of God actually for your life more than it is a threat, right? You would see it as, as something that is good and it is a treat, right, for you. And so that's where we're going today. That's what I hope to see. Uh, that's what I hope us to, uh, for us to leave here with, right? So here's, what, here's kind of the outline. If you're like me, you're kind of like want to know where you're going. Uh, I want to talk about the why. But before that, I want to talk about what, right? What is it? Why are we doing it? And then I'm going to talk about how, how we're, how we're going to get there, okay? Is that fair? All right, so what is fasting? Here is a, uh, a biblical definition of fasting. Uh, I think we have this up here. Fasting is the spiritual discipline. This is kind of, when I say a biblical definition, this is a definition inspired by the text of Scripture, but I came up with it, all right? So it's not, it's not, um, what you call it, uh, infallible, all right? So fasting is the spiritual discipline of partially or completely eliminating food or drink for kingdom purposes, all right? So it's a spiritual discipline of eliminating food or drink for a set time, right, for kingdom purposes. Notice what Jesus says in the first, very first verse of that passage we read together, verse 16. It says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. And then verse 17, the very beginning, what he says again, he says, but when you fast. So here's the point. Jesus says, when you fast, twice. So the expectation, church, is that we would, right? It's that fasting would show up in our lives. Jesus says, by implication, we can apply this to our lives generally. That He says, when you fast, we ought to fast. There is this expectation that we too would fast. So here's the reality. We better understand what it is. 
Okay, if we got to start putting it into play in our lives. And so this very first part of that definition I told you was that it is a spiritual discipline. Now that should go without saying, all right? Like if you've read any kind of spiritual disciplines book, Don Whitney, or uh, there, there's several, uh, Habits of Grace, the one that we are challenging our small groups to go through during this series by Philip Nation. If you've read any spiritual disciplines book, you know that they're going to talk about fasting. It should go without saying, but, but here's the reality. Fasting is done wrongly, just like any other any other spiritual discipline, you can do it wrongly. And, and Jesus says, in fact, that it was done wrongly by the hypocrites, he calls them. Right? And, and so here's what I want you to understand. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. The reason it's spiritual is because when done appropriately, Jesus is at the center of it. Okay? When done rightly, Jesus is at the center of it. If you're fasting, right, like, and your, your motivation, the ultimate motivation behind it is to lose a few LBs, you're throwing Jesus calling on top of it, that's not fasting. That's a bad diet plan, all right, and, and, and it, it is a, not a good idea altogether, right, but fasting occurs when we place Jesus at the center of fasting, when he is the motivation, when he has to place the centrality, he's the fuel of it. Does that make sense, right, so fasting is when Jesus is at the center, and the reality is, again, this was practiced wrongly. Jesus said that the hypocrites disfigured their faces. And notice what was wrong about it. Look here, the very next phrase. That their fasting may be seen by others. See, where they got off was that they were the center of their fasting. Which eliminates, which eliminates it from being Christian fasting altogether. Now, fasting is not distinctly. I think we need to understand this. Fasting is not distinctly Christian. Did you know... Almost every religious institution in the world practices fasting, right? So what makes Christian fasting Christian is that Jesus is in the middle of it, right? And what they messed up with here is that they put themselves in the middle of it. They were using it uh, as, as, a, as a tool for propping themselves up to look better than the, than the kind of religious climate around them. And what Jesus does in this text is he calls out these egocentric kind of ideas that these Pharisees had about fasting because they would do it for personal gain. Right? But his point is clear. If we want to make fasting a habit, and as we seek to do so, listen to me, I want to make sure we get this. It is about kingdom purposes, not ours. It's not about you. It's not about your agenda. It's not about being noticed. Fasting is about God's kingdom. You know, in the, um, the model prayer, the, the, uh, uh, Jesus says this in, our, in the Lord's prayer. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Right? That's the motivation. It's the same motivation here in fasting. It's about kingdom purposes and not ours. It's about God's kingdom. In Zechariah chapter 7, there's this text that I, I read this week that um, I want to lay before you because I think that there's a, uh, a convicting question asked from God towards the people that would participate in fasting. Look what happens. Uh, God comes to Zechariah, tells him to go and to call out the nation of Israel about their motivation for their previous fast. Look what he says. He says, say to all the people of the land and to the priests. So the people and the priest, all the people, right? And look what he says. When you fasted and mourned, I want them to ask this question. Was it for me that you fasted? Man, I just think that that is just, that's just one of the moments you pause and just ask God. The last time I fasted, was it for you? Like the last time you read your Bible, like take fasting off the table, the last time you read your Bible, was it because you wanted to see God or was it because you wanted to impress your wife? 
was, was the last time that you, you prayed out of obligation or was it because you wanted to know God more? Was the last time you worshiped to be noticed? Is that why you lifted your hands or was it because we wanted God? God asked this question about the people. And when you fasted, was it for me? My prayer, guys, is that as we put this into play in our lives, the answer that we could always cry back to that kind of a question from God would be, yes, Lord. It was always for you. It was always for you. That's why Jesus tells us, he says, for us to do it, go anoint your head. What did he say? Anoint your head, wash your face so that your fasting uh, would happen in secret. Right? So the, in secret, your father is the, is the audience because it's for God. That ought to be our, our cry back to God. Anytime we are asked about the motivation for our spiritual disciplines, these habits in our life, it ought to be, it was you, Lord. It was always you, Lord. You see, we are never the point in our personal holiness, although that is the effect at the end of, the, at the end of this road that is the habit, the personal effect is our holiness. As we see Jesus and, and put these habits into play in our lives, we will look more like him, which is our holiness, but that's not the point of it, right? The point of it is God. He always is the point. Now, it's spiritual activity, and we see it show up, and I want to also, as we're talking about the what here, about what it is, I want you to know there are different types of fasts described in the Bible. All right, you, you probably know many of these. There's what's called uh, the common fast or the regular fast. And this is what we see typically um, uh, playing out in the lives of those uh, in Scripture that we see fasting. Um, in fact, many believe that the fast that Jesus did while he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, although he was fasting for food from 40 days and 40 nights, he was doing what's called the common fast, which where you with, would withhold from yourself food, right? Not water. And because when Jesus came out of the wilderness, it says that, and he was hungry. But it never says that he was thirsty. So people believe that because it's the most common type of fast, that Jesus was, for 40 days and nights, going without food. That's what we practiced together corporately when we did the sacred gathering about a year and some change ago, right? Like it was, we asked you to withhold from yourself if you could and it wasn't restricted from your, uh, for medical reasons or, or whatever. If, if you could go without food, no food. For, I think it was three days we fasted together. You could drink water. And, in fact, if you didn't drink water after three days, you'd probably die. Okay? So it's a good thing that you did. Uh, but what the, the common fast is where you withhold from yourself food. Okay? Uh, completely for a set amount of time, but not water. Okay. Now, another type of fast in the scripture that we see is called the total fast. Now, this is where you see, and total meaning totally, no food and no water. And this is not prescribed. Okay, this is not something you see Moses doing this for 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain when he was meeting with God. But he was also talking to a burning bush. Okay, like uh, there's some, there was a supernatural presence that was sustaining Moses in that. Right? That is not something that you're going to do well with. Okay, For a day, you could total fast if that's what you felt lo the Lord leading you to. But it is never recommended to go without water. Okay, uh, But a total fast is still what we see something played out in Scripture. That's what I want you to see. Though another type we see is partial fast. Now partial fast is, where, is like what the, Dan the Daniel plan is based off of. Where Daniel would not take of any delicacies. He wouldn't eat any meat or drink any wine. This is... This is the Daniel fast, and the point of it is that Daniel withheld from his diet a particular type of food. 
right? So it's a partial fast. So you've got, you've got a common fast, you've got the total fast, you've got a, uh, a partial fast. And there's also, like Paul talks about, it's not just food. Paul talks about, in 1 Corinthians, married couples going without uh, sexual intimacy for a period of time that you may be devoted to prayer. Right, so fasting is not only food; it's also intimacy. But here's the point of it, and even in our day, in our day and age today, there is like a, a kind of a new fast that's been introduced that they didn't have the benefit of, which was like a, a complete technology fast, right? Where you would lay down your iPhone or just shut that thing off for a week, a month, if that's possible. No Netflix, whatever that looks like for you. Instagram, what I mean, whatever the thing that's got the a big a big hold on your heart that you would lay that down. But here's the point of it all, okay? All of these things, whether it's, the reason I said it's not about food is because not only do we see that in Scripture, but it's, it's also the, the under, uh, the kind of the undergirding of the fast is this. Listen, fasting at the basic sense is laying down something good, whether that be food, whether that be sexual intimacy, it, within the confines of marriage, whether that be technology, whatever it is, it is laying down something good for something ultimate. Are you tracking? So as, the, as uh, we see this played out in Scripture, it was always about laying down something good because there was a belief that there was going to be gained something greater, right? That there was something ultimate. And so in the room today, here's what I know is true. There are many of you probably uh, across our three um, service times I've spoke that uh, cannot uh, fast as we see it most commonly, and it is most commonly surrounding food, right? As we see it played out in Scripture, it most often talks about food, not phones, okay? Now, you get that, right? And so, but there are people today that, for different medical reasons, can't, can't practice that. You know, there are diabetic reasons, there may be pregnancy issues, or, or just in pregnancy in, in itself, uh, a a fast may not be what your doctor would prescribe, and you need to talk to your doctor before you ever do a fast if, there, if you have any kind of question about that, right? But I'm not a doctor, right? This isn't, this isn't like a, a, whatever. I, I don't have any credential to tell you if you can or can't. You know this, right? But here's what I want you to understand. If you can't, what you need to find is whatever the good thing is that occupies a great space in your heart and in your life that creates it in you, if you were to lay it down, a particular type of ache. Right, that 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 uh, that yearning that we that is created by going without food, because that's what it ultimately is. It is laying down that good thing because there is this greater thing. So take whether it be food or whatever, that's what it is. That's the underlying uh, reason behind it. Look what the psalmist describes about this desire created by fasting. Psalm sixty three one says this: "O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you." My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, that is a strong text. Right, I mean, listen to some of the words used in that. My soul thirsts for you. Can you say that about your relationship with Jesus or about your, your, uh, your, kind of your heartbeat towards Christ? Would you say that your soul thirsts? For God, or that your flesh faints for Him. You see, what fasting does, uh, and one of the ways that it serves us, is it shows us, it, it really does this exposing work on our lives to really show us what's in the driver's seat. Right? What is it that truly 
is in control? What is it that we truly ache for? What is it that we truly thirst? You know, you, you go a couple days without food, and you're going to find out pretty quickly what it is that, that really is driving you. Right? What is it that you're truly after? You see, before we are ever going to make this a habit in our lives, I, I, and I want you to hear this, you've got to know the answer to that question. What is it that controls you? What is it that's driving you? You see, if we're going to make this more than just an occurrence, guys, listen to me. Jesus has got to be more than some, someone that we just come in and honor. Right, we just come in, we, we honor him with our schedule. We come in and we sit and we worship together. We, we do all the right things. I think it's possible to do those things and him still not be the hunger of our heart. Do we hunger for him? And listen, your, your finances will tell you that. Your, uh, your thought life will tell you that. Your browser history will probably tell you that. What is it that, what is it that you hunger? Fasting will show us that. It, it will bring you to a place where you learn the answer to that pretty quickly. And, and, and here's what's great about this. As we do that, as we go without food, I want to make sure you get that the point of fasting isn't just laying it down, laying something down, going without something. It's actually going after something as well. So we're not just saying, here's this good thing I'm laying down because I believe there's a greater thing, and I'm going to kind of walk away from it, and, and there's just going to be this void that's unoccupied by something. It's I lay this down, and I'm going after something. So as we fast, we're actually, we're not just starving ourselves. We're feasting on something. Right? We're, we're, we're spending time in prayer. We're spending time in, in the Word. We're occupying our thoughts and our time there with the Lord. We are feasting on God because here's what we find, right? As we do that, that we believe there's something to be gained by getting more of God. Right? So as you fast, don't just sit on your hands, right, and just try to make it through lunchtime. Right? I got 30 minutes to start the clock now, right? Like that's not what it's about. It's, it's about, look, I'm willfully, voluntarily laying this down, and I'm spending that time in prayer asking God for his favor, for his provision, for his sustenance, for his satisfaction, taking root and, and reign in my life. I'm asking for him to reveal any sin in my life, confessing those things as he reveals them. I'm asking him for a restored intimacy with him. I'm asking him for, for renewed fellowship with him. I'm, I'm doing these things as I'm laying down food. Or as I'm walking away from social media. Or as I'm you know, spending time in, in my marriage away from sexual intimacy. As that is true, we're occupying that space with something, a spiritual activity. Does that make sense? Because we're going after, we're feasting on God. You see, fasting is a lot more about feasting than it is about starving. Right? So what are you doing with your time when you fast? So what we're going after is the presence of Christ is that we would, we would meet with God, we would see God, we would get more of God. That's our bottom line, that, man, we fast to know God more. So that's the ultimate understanding, the why behind it. Like, like we fast because we want more of God. But here's, here's probably something you're asking. Well, when do I do that? How do I know when is appropriate to fast? Well, in the Bible, we, we're given two ordinances very prescriptively, Right? Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Tell us how to take those, when to take those. We see that, okay? Uh, but here's what we don't have, right? In the scripture concerning fasting, we're never commanded to do it. But we do see it descriptively played out in the lives of 
believers, right, of, of the church. And so what we see here are some patterns for when we might consider fasting ourselves. Okay, so, so check this out. Here are a few times, a few instances, and this by, by no means is all of them. This is a few, but I just thought this would be helpful as you try to apply this. You may be asking the question, well, when would I know to do this? Okay, so uh, in, in the scripture we see God's people and our Lord himself, okay, fasting in times where they were seeking God's, God's uh, will for their lives and his direction in their lives. Okay, so Nehemiah 1, I think about Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah, before he goes to the king to ask for uh, the king's not only approval, but his financial backing. Now, he's the cupbearer to the king. You could lose your head for doing this. So Nehemiah understood the gravity of the current situation he was in, the impending kind of decision he had to make. And that led him to a place where he knew he needed God's provision, he needed God's direction, his will in his life. So what did Nehemiah do? At the beginning of Nehemiah, it says that he, he began to fast and pray. And I believe if you look at the Jewish calendar for three months, three months of fasting, praying, earnestly asking for God's direction in his life. And you look at Jesus himself before his public earthly ministry, where he, he went to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to fast. He was seeking the Father's will for his life, his direction in his life. Listen, so... By application, here's what I think is good for us. Because of the pattern we see here, before we make big moves, right? Like before we, we, we take jobs that move our family across, you know, across the country, or we take, before we do any kind of real big decision in our life, do we consider fasting? Do we consider it? Do we consider asking, God, would you lead this next decision? I mean, we could Google search it all day long and see, like, maybe we could ask and get a poll of people around us. What, what would you do? Do we care what God thinks? Maybe we'd ask God to lead us. See, so we see that played out in Scripture. Another time we see this uh, kind of historically happen is around times of confession of repentance. And I think of Daniel. Daniel con- confessing the sins of the nation of Israel before God. And, and he, it says in the, in the text, he sought to God with prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Like, he was serious about the, the offenses of the people of God before the holiness of God. And so he fasted. You see, fasting, look at me. Fasting has a way of showing how serious you take the situation you're entering into. Specifically with sin, when we fast and when God's people would fast, they saw their sin, I think at times, in a greater, uh, with greater severity than we do. And so David would confess, but it's not just a lip service. He, he see, fasting for him was this exclamation point, this physical exclamation point at the end of the spiritual uh, kind of uh, understanding that, that, God's, uh, that, that, that God's holiness was breached. Right? And, so, and so he fasted. He fasted. Listen, when, when you are made aware through times of the word and through times of prayer, like and God shows you. That there's a, a, a grievous sin in your, in your life that is breaking fellowship with him. Wedging something between you and God. Times of fasting are, are appropriate. That we would go before God and say, Lord, would you help, again, listen to this, would you help renew and restore the fellowship I once had with you? Again, it's not about, it's not about forgiveness because God's people have already experienced that once and for all. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins, right? So it's not about forgiveness. It's about fellowship. 
Colossians, I think, of that passage where it says that he canceled the, the, the record of debt that stood against us. It's been canceled once and for all. Like the gavel's been dropped. God's people that, uh, in Romans, it says there is no condemnation for you. All right, so it's not about seeking and finding forgiveness, forgiveness from God. You've already have that in Christ on the cross. And there is a blood-stained cross to prove it, right? But here's what it is. It's about a fellowship with God. So we fast in times of uh, in times of awareness of sin because we want new new restored relationship with God, unhindered fellowship. Another time we see is in times of sorrow and mourning, right? I think when David's son was sick after he had sinned with Bathsheba, and he wanted he wanted to understand God's will for this situation. I'm sure he prayed for God to heal. But ultimately, he wanted to understand God's will for the situation. And so what did he do? He prayed and he fasted. He fasted. In times of hard times in, in our lives, and listen, we all have them, right? Like there's times we're at the end of ourselves. Typically in times where we're at the end of ourselves, we, we reach. Very few times I think we reach up. So many times we reach to a friend, we reach to a girlfriend, we reach to a best friend, we reach to a small group member. We re- and those are, great places to, uh, those are great places to reach because that's what biblical community is about. Do we reach for God in a posture of fasting? God, would you help me understand this? God, would you, would you, would you heal? I don't, think that's a, I don't think that's a selfish motivation. I think that is a natural motivation. A natural question of us from, to God. But here's what I know from them. As they would fast, here, here, and you got to get this, okay? They did not fast using God as a genie or using this tool as some genie in a bottle. That like, if I fast, God's going to give me the answer if I should take this job. Right? If I fast, I'm going to know if I should homeschool my kids. If I fast, I'm going to know if, if I'm out of line here or here. No, what they did, they, they believed that fasting brought them nearer to God. As they fast, they, would, they were closer to the Lord. They would get more of God. They would be at the end of themselves. There would be this particular type of ache in their life, this desperation. As they laid down good things, they sought something greater. And as they got that greater thing, as they entered into an understanding, a closeness, an intimacy with God that is different, right? When you're just stuffing your face or... Or you just, we've got all the, the kind of the delicacies that our life affords. When we strip those away and we really get before God and do some soul work, right, the people of God believe that as we did that, they would know God's will. And if they knew God's will, then they would know his direction for their life. They would understand if, if God decided to take away or to give. So be it, Lord. You be honored. You be glorified. So ultimately, again, it wasn't about what you were receiving as far as gifts, but it was about getting God. They wanted more of God. And that's what the passage says, what Jesus said, that as you fast your father in secret, who sees you in secret, will reward you. Right? He will reward you. And you know what he rewarded them with? Himself. He gave them himself. This needs to be, guys, the motivation for why we would, we would fast. This needs to be when we would fast. And, and, and ultimately... If you want more of God, it doesn't have to be this sorrowful time or times of massive, you know, sin in your lives or times where there's some big decision. Fasting honestly needs to frequent our lives a little bit more than it does because it's a constant position and posture of God. We need you. I desire you. I need more of you. You know, there's a, 
a helpful kind of acrostic when you think about fasting as, as we kind of move toward a place of application in this message. There's a, there's a helpful acrostic that I think, I, I saw this week, that I think will help next time we, you decide to fast, that will help you understand maybe how, to, how, do you, how do you do this. The F is focus on God, right? So as you fast, focus on God. And we'll, we'll have this graphic, we'll share this on social media so you can also um, kind of screenshot this, store this away for later. But focus on God, right? God is the center, the center point. He's the thing that it's all about. Focus on Christ. If it's not about Christ, again, it's a bad diet. It's not, it's not a fast, uh, as, as we see it in, in, uh, in the text. Abstain from food. So, it, or if you can't do food, whatever that thing is that has this great hold on your life, abstain from, from that. Right? Abstain from food and, uh, and lay that thing down as you, S, substitute with prayer and Bible. Again, it's not just sitting empty. It's not about emptying something, but filling. You're filling your, your, your spiritual life with, with passage. You're filling your spiritual life with prayer. You're, you are seeking. You're running after something. You're not just laying something down. You're actually pursuing something in fasting. And then T is taste and see. And I, and I want to camp here for a second. Because, listen, for the believer... We should fast not so that we taste, but because we have. We're tracking like any spiritual discipline flows out of the gospel, any of it, right? Whether it be prayer, whether it be Bible reading, whether it be worship, whether it be service, whether it be whatever, right? Whether it be fasting, fasting flows out of the gospel, and it's because we have tasted, we have experienced Christ, right, on the cross, because we have had the righteousness of God transferred to our account and by no merit of our own, right, by faith alone. That's, that has happened for us. We have tasted his goodness. And if that has happened for you, listen to me, I know this to be true. You desire to taste it again. As you are sanctified one degree to the next, you will long for more and more of God. So we fast so that we will taste and see it again. You know, there's a, there's a, a quote I read this week about fasting that says that the birthplace of Christian fasting is a homesickness for God. It's a homesickness for him. Have you ever been homesick before? Like, I remember, like, growing up, there were times where I'd stay away from home, and, and listen, like, they're, they're, like, everything's good until you, you start getting homesick, right? And then the most fun in the world could happen around you. You're not into it. Like, they could be serving up brownies on a platter. You're not te- you, you don't have no appetite for it. Like, like, if you've been homesick, you know what I'm talking about. There's a moment when... You may be somewhere, but your heart is somewhere else. Well, this is, this is the essence of, of why, when we should fast, right? Uh, in Matthew chapter 9, there's a, there's a text I want to I close with where the, uh, the disciples of John the Baptist come up to Jesus and they ask him about why his disciples aren't fasting. And look what, look what it says in this text here. It says, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, well, can the wedding guests mourn while the bridegroom is still with them? The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away. And then look what he says, and then they will fast. You know what he said? What he's saying right there is, why would they fast? What do they have to be sorrowful for? I, their king, I, their Lord, am with them now. But Jesus went to the cross. He died a death that for those of us who are in Christ, we know, and if you're in the room, you don't know this. This is maybe news to you, a death that you deserve. He was placed in a tomb, and three days later, he was ascended to the, to the Father, right? He, he met with his disciples four days, and then he went to the Father, 
right? And that is where he is today. There is a time, an appropriate time now for us to fast because the bridegroom is not with us any longer. And for those of us who have experienced him in Christ, listen, we ought to be homesick for him. We ought to want more of him. We, want, we ought to want to, to see him and get glimpses of him. You know, when I'm in, uh, uh, typically when I'm away at, like on a, on a spring break mission trip or something, when I get homesick, the great thing I get to do is pick up my phone and FaceTime. If I have some sort of cell signal, there's a time at night where I get to see my wife, I get to see my daughter, I get to see home, glimpses of home. Well, listen, when we fast, that's exactly what we're doing. Right? We're, we're, we're stripping away the stuff around us so that we get glimpses of home. Because newsflash, church, this isn't it. Right? This isn't it. And so as we fast, man, let's give ourselves to putting this into play in our lives, not just once or twice here and there, once every four years in a sacred corporate thing, but privately, personally. Do you long for your father? Right? Don't you want to see him? Let's do this so that, man, we can get glimpses of our father and let us be transformed to look more and more like him. All right? And here's what I promise you. As we do that, no matter what we lay down, no matter what we walk away from, he will always fill us with way more, with way better than we ever gave. All right. Listen, if you're here today and, and you've never known that, like you, you've never had that relationship, you don't long for a relationship with the Father because you don't have one today. But maybe you want to know what that looks like. Listen, we don't just want to throw this net out to you and not, and not walk with you. Right? We, want to, we want to walk with you through what that looks like, have conversations with you in a minute. You can come out the back doors to the next steps there. I'll be there. RC must, will be there. We'd love to sit down and talk with you about what that looks like. But, but here's, here's the reality. If you're here today and you do have a relationship with him, we have an opportunity we want you to help us with. Okay, uh, as RC talked about earlier with Jacob, who is a product of our student ministry, really our next gen ministries come up through it. He went to camp, uh, and and he I believe he was saved at a camp, uh, at camp whatever years ago. And now the Lord's called him into gospel ministry, which is amazing. Well, listen, camp's coming up around the corner. We're uh, a week away, okay? Uh, we're, we will be leaving very, very soon. And we have right now 615 students going with us uh, to camp this year, which is a massive undertaking. We have over 150 adults going with us there. So it's not just me taking 615. That would not be good. Um, I probably wouldn't come home. Uh, they would. But, uh, but anyway... Some of them. Uh, but anyway, so we're, we're leaving uh, very, very soon. And here's something we're, gonna, we're asking our church to do, okay? Because we believe that this, this spiritual discipline flows out of the gospel, the gospel is going to be preached at camp. The reason we do camp is so that students would hear the gospel and will respond in faith, right? And we're asking God to save and, and do something we've not yet seen. We've never seen numbers like this, right? But it's not about the numbers. We want God to save. That's why we do it. Right? If, we, if we march 14 buses up there and all the kids get off and one kid comes back different, one, kid's co- one kid comes back eyes open to the reality of Christ, it was every bit of it was worth it. Do you believe that? Well, listen, here's what we're going to ask from you. If you're here today and you have a relationship with Christ, what we're calling our church to do is this Tuesday and next Tuesday, two days for you to lay down, right? This is a common fast, to lay down food for 24 hours, to fast with us. If you can't do that, find what it is, again, that occupies that space and lay that down for us. And fill that time on your face, in your Bible, asking the Lord to save, to do something at camp that we would stand back. We'd come back from camp and we'd say, Lord, you did that. Like, only you could do that. You did something crazy on that mountain. Right? And that's what we want to see. And so this Tuesday 
in next Tuesday. Now, our camp leaders aren't going to be able to do that next Tuesday because they would pass out on the, on the paintball course and get shot, and, and that wouldn't be good. Uh, and we need them, okay? But we're going to ask our church, would you, would you do it this Tuesday with us? And then next Tuesday, while we're at camp, Tuesday night, the gospel is going to be presented. It's going to be preached. That's when we're going to give a, a, a response time. And we're asking God to do something amazing. And so would you consider doing that with us? Okay, we'll give you more information about that. We'll be reminding you through social media in, in, the, uh, in the days ahead. So won't we do this? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this time, this opportunity we had to uh, spend around your word and consider this, this text, God. And, and Lord, I ask that you would, um, Father, you would use it to, to, to grow your church, to edify this, this body, Father. I pray, Lord, that as we better understand fasting, hopefully, Lord, you would uh, help it become something that we do more of. I pray we'd have a, a greater dependency on you, Father, a greater expression of desperation for you. We would, just like we FaceTime when we're away from home, Lord, I pray that we would fast not to get answers, God, or to get anything else but you. More of you. That's what we want. It's your name we pray.